Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. Our guest this week is none other than Gary Sirak, author of the new book, How to Retire and Not Die. We're going to talk all about uh, the biggest mistakes that people make while, uh, when they're getting ready to retire. And it actually has nothing to do with money. It's all about his three P's system, which he will explain. But uh, the bottom line is, guys, and we've talked about this a bunch on the show before, you need to have... You need to get your ducks in a row. And if you've got a New Year's resolution uh, to, to move towards some sort of independence in your life, this is the uh, this is an interview you really need to listen to uh, because Gary really lays it out. You should start today going through the things that he's going to lay out in this talk. So I uh, can't wait to bring that to you. In fact, I can't wait to bring that to you so much. I'm not going to wait to bring it to you. Here we go. My interview with Gary Sirek. Gary Sirak, you have you you are run a financial services company, but most importantly, you are the author of the new book, How to Retire and Not Die: The Three P's That Will Keep You Young. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, totally, my pleasure. Thanks, Gib. So you know, we we just very briefly before we started, you were talking about how yes, you're a money manager, you you uh, you know financial planner, all that stuff, but uh, the the thing that you wanted to focus on is is the non-financial elements of retirement. And we talk a lot on the show about, uh, about how, people, how quickly people die after retirement because they lose their purpose. Uh, and you have these three Ps, so I don't want to bury the lead there. What are the three Ps and why do we need them? Okay, the three Ps are purpose, passion, and a plan. And, and we need them because you get to retirement and all of a sudden... All the structure in your life is gone. Right. And and people really struggle with what do I do next, but they don't really think about that. All they want to think about is money along the way. Then they get to retirement and say, oh, wow, I really missed this part. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I describe it in the book as where you climb this mountain to get to retirement and mm-hmm. then you get on top finally after you zigzag all the way up and it's a brutal climb. You plant your flag, you, you pull up a lounge chair and get a cold one. And then you realize, whoa, I have a 26-year marathon to run. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> That's a lot of cold ones sitting there in a lounge chair. Uh, <laughs> and you, you're going you're gonna to die quickly that way. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, so. So is it enough to just say, I want to take a couple strokes off my golf game? Or do you, you know, does that purpose, that passion, the planning, does that all need to be a much bigger deal than just uh, diving into your whatever hobbies you may have? Well, hobbies are really critical, but figuring out whether you really like working or don't like working, there may be aspects of your job you don't like, but stuff you love that Mm -hmm. you could maybe do part-time. That's a good way to semi-retire. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, Taking strokes off your golf game is always appealing to me. Uh, Mine seems to be going the wrong way, but but that's very appealing. And and just figuring out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And hobbies are critical. Uh, Charitable things are critical. Working for nonprofits. Just just figure out how you're going to spend your time because all of a sudden you go from two days a week to seven, and that's a big difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and with no real sense that it's ever going to end. It's the, there's like this thing of oh, what, tomorrow is going to look just like today, and that can feel what's what I'm looking for uh, monotonous, you know, and and difficult to get out of. You hit it right on the head. And, you know, I tell people bored to death. You know, they say, oh, I'm bored to death. I said, you don't understand. Bored to death means bored to death. I mean, literally, people don't really understand how they say it and what that really means. But I've watched it in person. It's it's sad and quite true. So you spent a lot of time getting people ready for the financial side of retirement. 
What were you seeing that led you to realize that it wasn't just about the finances? Well, I had a very strange thing happen very early in my career. My my father started this business in 1957. I joined it uh, 40 years ago. So we're third generation. Well, anyway, early in my career, my dad said, hey, you want to grab lunch? We're going to go see a friend of mine and his wife downtown for dinner or lunch. I said, sure. So we're driving down. I don't know anything about these people, and it wouldn't matter anyway. I was pretty new in the business. Mm -hmm. Turns out we go to his this place and it looks like a house. I said, dad, what is this? He said, well, it's his, it's his private club. And I said, all right, I didn't know what that meant. We walk in and the gentleman and his wife are Italian and there's some of the best Italian food I've ever seen in my entire life waiting for us for lunch. And wow. people, it turns out this private club was Bruno's private club. So um, here I am having a gourmet, incredible Italian dinner. It turns out he or lunch, he had sold his company for about $10 million back in the 80s, mm -hmm. which was a whole lot of money today and a lot more even then. Right. And the problem with it is we're sitting there, we're talking about his money, and I'm just listening and eating. And my dad's having a conversation, and my dad keeps asking him, you know, what's next, Bruno? What are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to go to Italy for a month. I want to visit family. And dad said, great. What are you going to do after that? And Bruno kept changing the subject. <laughs> we get back in the car on the way back. And I said, Oh my God, dad, that was a great appointment and amazing food. And my dad was not happy. And I said, dad, why aren't you happy? He said, Gary, he said, Bruno's been a friend of mine for a long time. And I kept asking him a question and he kept avoiding and his wife answered it for him, but not the way he wanted it answered. And he said, I'm very concerned that Bruno is not going to know he, he's lost his purpose, his passion, and he certainly has no plan. He said, I'm afraid we're going to be going to his funeral. Right. And I looked at my dad. I said, he's got $10 million to figure it out. I think he'll be okay. And my dad says, you're clueless, Gary. That's not how this works. <laughs> and and he was right. Two years later, we were at his funeral. Oh, my gosh. And it was just one of the saddest things. And, uh, you know, all the grandchildren and everything, it was, it was terrible. But that was really what set me on this path. I just didn't know I was on this path until about 20 years ago. Then I really drilled into it. Um. Uh, so, okay, so that is a dark story. It's also, you know, the, the, it, it led you to this thing. Um, how do we begin, you know, if it goes beyond hobbies, because it seemed like Bruno, uh, or uh, well, sorry, what was his name? The, Bruno. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it, 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 it seemed like Bruno had some things that we all want to do in retirement, things that we would call passion. I mean, going and visiting family, traveling abroad. These are things that generate, if you, <laughs> that generate a lot of passion in, in young people. So what is it that he was missing uh, in terms of the three P's that that we all um, that we need to embrace? Well, he was so passionate and, and his purpose in life was to run this company. Actually, it was an amazing company. He he never went to college, but he invented a part that all three automakers needed in their cars. He had it patented and he just made a fortune. He, I mean, Bruno had a lot of money back when a lot of money was really a lot of money. And but his whole world wasn't the money. He could care less. He just loved going to his place. He loved the the purpose of what he did. He was just all about it. And he sold it. And I and I have I still ask my dad, you know, after the, many years, I said, why did he sell it? He said, well, he just thought that he needed to do something different. He had reached an age where he thought he could be in some other world and, and wanted to do something. I said, but that didn't work. And he said, no, not even close. And it was just sad. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm flipping that switch. I, I'm going to help people figure out how to really 
prepare for retirement. So a couple things I have them do, Gib. One of them is I have them make a wish list while they're working and write down all the things they wish they were doing but didn't have time to do because they were stuck at work. Right. I have my own list in the book. Uh, there's almost There was like 50 items on that list at one point, and I just kept writing stuff down, and I'd cross it out and add new ones, and it would be a constant flow. So that's one thing. The other thing I tell people to do, and this one is really big, if you're really thinking about retirement, having the right mindset really matters. Uh And going into retirement with a positive attitude about how you're going to fill your time and what you're going to really do, that that counts. Yeah, but... Sure. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on all of that. And, and again, you know, the research is strongly in favor of what you're saying. Um, and, 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 you know, you have an anecdote with Bruno, but, you, but uh, we, we see that in the research in, in terms of the morbidity rate of uh, in early retirement, the first five years of retirement. So I, I, I hear you on that. But I, that, that bucket list thing, that seems similar. I, mean, I, I Bucket list makes it seem morbid also, so I probably shouldn't call it <laughs> That's that. That's why I use wish list. <laughs> right. Yep. I know. I know. But it's like the stuff that you would be doing if you didn't have to work um, is great. But that, but I, for me, that doesn't solve the, um, the monotony hamster wheel element of it all. Okay. So let me give you a great example. Doctor who just retired, he's a surgeon and 73 years old, guy had no hobbies to speak of. And we're sitting in a working out the money side, which is what we do. And, mm-hmm. and then I say, okay, I said, what's next? And he said, what do you mean? I said, what's next with your life? What's your first day of retirement look like your first week, your first month, your first year. Right. And he turned to me, he says, I have this planned out. And I Ooh. was stunned. And I said, okay, tell me what your plan is. He said, I'm following the New York Yankees around the country. Mm-hmm. And I said, literally, and he said, Gary said, I have a friend of mine, we're going to hit the road and we're going to go to Yankees games and we're going to map out our schedule and we're just going to fly across the country and go see the Yankees play baseball. Love it. And I said, that is very cool. He said, I've only been thinking about it for 25 years. (laughs) I said, oh, top your wish list. He said, are you kidding? He said, this was my wish list. He said, this is something I have dreamed about doing, going to all these ballparks. So there's plenty of people that I, I have another gentleman who is into woodworking. And also, ironically, a physician, he just retired from his practice. He's Mm -hmm. a pediatrician and and he is making the coolest things. I mean, serving trays, all kinds of stuff. I've never seen him happier. So he he knew what he wanted to do. I have a uh, I have a lady that I know who loves music. I mean, rock and roll, heavy duty stuff. She's been going to concerts. The pandemic shut her down. But that lady goes to concerts probably two to three, three nights a week. Mm -hmm. She'll go somewhere and hear live music. And it's what she's passionate about, and she plays a little and sings a little, but she was really into to making sure that music was a big part of her life when she retired. Right. Right. I mean, I, 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 I love these kinds of things. Are you seeing these? Maybe, maybe I'm naive, but these seem like very simple, very obvious choices. Are there a lot that many people who don't have concerts or baseball games that are just like uh, who just sit and watch television all day or, or, or whatever that may be? <sighs> Staggering amount, Gib. I, I, it almost overwhelming. So here's what happens. I, I see ten people. Nine of them have no clue what's next, and and one may be my friend, this the baseball or or this lady in the rock music. Um, they're rare. It's mostly people don't, and so they really have to go back and analyze what makes them happy and and how they're going to figure this out. 
And most of them are successful. Not all of them are, but mm-hmm. most of them are. And quite frankly, some of them go back to work because they couldn't figure it out. They just said, nah, right. I don't like this. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I know that are driving Uber and Lyft right now. Right, right. R- retired executives and they're, and they're hauling people around to airports and happy as could be. Because they get to talk to new people. That's the other thing. You know, your social circle shrinks when you stop working. Um, let me ask you a key question. That's kind of, I don't want to say bugging me, but it's just kind of sitting in my head. So the difference between Bruno and those other two people, because Bruno seems like he had travel as his thing that he wanted to do. He had his club. He had, you know, I mean, the things that I would want to do if if I didn't have to work tomorrow is I would I would go I would travel. I would go to nice dinners. uh, Those kinds of things I would do more of uh, bigger meals, longer meals, that kind of stuff is, is what I would do if I if I didn't have to work. So my my question is, why is Bruno, why did Bruno die two years after retirement and 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 following the Yankees around is enough to keep other people going? Well, I, I think in Bruno's case, he was so focused on what he was doing. It was his whole life. Mm, I mean, I, mm. I know for a fact, my dad said, Bruno, there would be a birthday party for one of the grandchildren. And Bruno would always come late because he was working and doing stuff. Right. He'd work every Saturday. His right. wife said he would go in on Sunday mornings if nothing was going on, if they didn't go to church. So he, he just was so possessed. His whole identity was that business. And that's what I think the problem is. So I think... The other gentleman and the lady, their identities weren't their practice or their business. The, the woodworker, I mean, you know, he's been a doc his whole year. Everybody says, doctor this, doctor that. Now, you know, it's David. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. happy as can be. And, and he loves his new identity. He said, yeah, he goes to craft shows and shows people. People actually pay him money for this, and he just smiles. He thinks, I'd do this for free, but they're paying me. <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be on the third P, the plan. How soon do you have to start this conversation with yourself uh, to have the best outcome in retirement? In other words, you know, it seems like if you wait until you don't have work anymore to figure out the other things that you're passionate about, you're going to have this big vacuum. And, and for lack of a better expression, you can die in the vacuum. Um, what, how early do we need to start this conversation with ourselves before, before it's too late? Well, I, I just had this conversation with someone yesterday that we were just talking about it. And I said, I I have some clients who have started at 45 and 50, just writing things they wish they were doing. And, and they started creating their to-do list for the future. And, and it was kind of funny. I thought, well, that's pretty early. Normally I think 50 is a good age and, you know, 55 is even good, but they started younger. And when I asked them, I said, well, why are you starting so young? They said, well, we don't plan to work till we're 60, 70. We're going to quit at 55. And I said, well, okay, that makes more sense. Now, whether they will or not, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it's a good goal. So I, I think you start, paying attention to what makes you happy and, and what you enjoy. And I, I do an exercise in a book called Like, Love, and Hate. So it's all the things about your job or your life that you like, love, and hate. And what I have them do is take three minutes and really write down everything, kind of just brain dump, actually, on the paper. I don't care what they say. And we do the likes, then we do the loves, then we do the hates. And the hate list is always much longer than the other two. So the hates are very long. The likes are okay in a short love list is maybe two, three things. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the normal. And what I ask them to do is think, okay, if you could get rid of these hates, would you have a better life? Would you enjoy your work more? And oh my God, yeah, I'd love that. Or what about your home life? Um, I'll give you a great example. One guy hates cutting the grass. What does he do in the summer? He spends about two and a half to three hours a week cutting grass that he despises doing. (laughs) Yeah. 
when he retired, we were sitting there talking, and I said, I have a great solution for your hating grass cutting. He said, what's that? I said, sell your lawnmower. So we did. We sold his lawnmower, and now he has to hire someone to cut the grass, and he said, best investment I ever made. Right, 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 right. I mean, and that's a that's a simple thing when you when you when you plan out. I mean, they, I I have a question: How much of your job in general is taking these sort of obvious, but but that require just that little bit of extra effort uh, kind of questions uh, to get people to answer their own questions for themselves? I mean, I feel like this is this is like the ninety percent of what you do as a financial planner as well. Like, oh, I can't afford this. I'm always behind on this stuff. It's like, well, then cancel this or sell your car. And you go, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's a whole lot of common sense that goes into this equation yeah. and, and experience. Just watching people make the right decisions and the wrong decisions, mm -hmm. and and so I I spend a whole lot of time. I tell people the math part of it. You know, I'm good at math. Always was good. We figure out the money side, and then we pivot to the rest of your life. You know, what do you do with 26 years? What do you do with the first week, the first month? Mm -hmm. And and I really make them stretch themselves to figure that out in a way I give them homework and say, okay, great. When you come back in two weeks, I really want to know what you put down on your list. I want you to think through this. Yeah. That's really critically important. I think Gibbon and most people don't, but I try and nudge them that way. And, and again, this stuff isn't rocket science. Right. It's common sense, Right. but, but it's common sense. that isn't so common if that makes any sense. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, like that, that's that's what they say is true genius is is finding the things that are obvious once you hear them. Um, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk with Gary a little bit more about how to determine if you actually should retire. And then also uh, some more of these. Uh, what do we call them? Uh, common sense tactics for for how to how to how to prepare yourself mentally for this concept. So uh, more with Gary when we come back. Gary, before the break, you were giving me these lists of things that we can do that, uh, you know, of, of things that we can outline in order to better focus uh, on our purpose, our, our passion, and uh, making our plan for, for when we're retired. Those are your three Ps. Um, uh, so I, I, I want to get back into that. I, wanna, I, want, I want some other things. Is it just as simple as the like, love, hate is it just as simple as the, as the wish list? Is there, are there other things that we can start doing today to get us ahead of this, uh, of this feeling? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of, of to-do lists. Well, I'm also a big fan of making things happen in a certain time frame. So I call them three things. I, when I was brought into the insurance business, one of my coaches, mentors, and in fact, my father was one of them also, always had a little book that he had, and he had his day lined out in that book. So he would have whatever his to-dos were for that day, breakfast with this guy, coffee with that guy, lunch, whatever. And I looked at that, and I realized that's one of the best operating systems I've ever seen. Now, it was old-fashioned, uh, pen and paper, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I really liked it. And quite frankly, I still do that today. Well, inside my book, I talk about three things. And what I tell my retired people or the people who aren't even retired yet but thinking about it, you need to have three things a day. You need to have three things a day that you want to do and you want to accomplish. And I said, and they could be as simple as meeting someone for coffee, uh, going out and hitting uh, shag balls for an hour at the golf course. You know, I don't care what it is. You just need to have it. And then you need to celebrate your wins and treat those things that you accomplished something that day and give yourself a, a pep talk and a little hug because that's what it counts. And every time you, you know, accomplish a good day and 
I kind of reward myself. I, I like mochas and milkshakes, and mm. um, I'm big on celebrating wins. Yeah, I, I mean, again, like the, the, there are some of the, you know, fishing is for some people the big thing, like they because it gives them that thing that something to put on their day. Uh, something to go do, something to get them out of bed in the mornings, often way too early in the morning. But that's, you know, so these kind of sort of traditional tropes of retirement um, do seem to echo in what you're talking about. You just need to dive into them wholeheartedly with the sort of, uh, to me, what I'm hearing is you have to dive into them with the sort of passion that was driving your work life prior to that. I I feel exactly that's the case. And you really hit it right on the head. Those those things that drove you at work, you now have to figure out how to replace them. The social side of it. I, I know I, I joined Rotary. I'd never been in Rotary. I just thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I've had a really good time. I met a whole bunch of people. I go for lunch on Fridays at 1130. And it's been very interesting, good speakers. That was never in my world. Now it's in my world. Right. So I've added that as a piece. So, okay, when I slow down a little bit, maybe I'll start doing Rotary and get involved in their functions and their nonprofit stuff. So it's looking for something that brings me some social life, that brings something that appeals. Uh, I join a golf league, so I'm in a golf league on Tuesday nights. So I just look for things to do that I enjoy that will fill my time. And uh, I mean, and it's as, as simple as as that. I mean, it, it's things that you enjoy that fill your time. Because I, 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 you have a, you have this entire outline of of how to do it. And it, and I guess, I mean, I guess that that's the genius of it, right? Is that we come back to this idea that it's it's putting the joy back in your life, putting the purpose back into your life, putting the passion and making a plan so that you can get those things. It just seems so astronomically simple, and yet people are dying from this. Oh, they are. And and I, I'll give you another one. This one kind of blew me away. So I, I'm new in the business, and I'm a kid. There's a breakfast place that I used to go to that unfortunately is long gone, but I'd go there, and I'd go there three mornings a week, and I'd eat breakfast, and I'd kind of think about what my day was, kind of planning and, and trying to get geared up for doing something that's really hard. Mm-hmm. So there were two gentlemen in that restaurant that would be there all the time. And I always sat at the counter and I didn't really know many of the people there. Well, the one gentleman turned out to be a national sales manager for a very large company that was located in Canton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And he and I became friends. And so he became a sales mentor for me. So we would talk sales, all that kind of stuff. The other gentleman was retired at about 50 with a portfolio. He sold his company and he also became a mentor. So, so what I realized is I was putting this book together. I discovered that these people are retirement mentors. And so I went back to the conversations we had with both of them. And they became, actually, they're in the book. They don't know they're in the book, but they're in the book. Uh, the one gentleman passed away a long time ago. The other one is clearly alive, has no clue. But what I did is I took the information those gentlemen gave me, and I thought to myself, they have like the perfect retirement. So when I think about retirement mentors, I look for people that are very happy, very successfully retired, and I sit down with them. I said, okay, tell me your secret. What are you doing? How are you making this work? Because you're not the average person. I'd like to know what you know. Mm. And then they take you through it, and, and that's how you get there? Absolutely. And and when you ask them, especially if you're buying them lunch or coffee, they're, they're very open to what they're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, it cost me a dinner one night, but it was worth a dinner. No, I, I yeah, they give, they tell you because they're, they're proud of the fact that they figured this out and that someone's interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have one guy, he, all he does is mentor kids. 
and and that's what his world is. He got involved with junior achievement, and that's his retirement. And he spends most of his days when he's not playing golf or doing whatever, uh, going out with his buddies, uh, with those kids, helping them, you know, progress in life. So that's his focus, and that guy's one of the happiest retired guys yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, so far we've talked about some great activities, but we haven't really dived into volunteering, uh, and you, you know what you just what you just mentioned. So some sort of uh, purpose that's outside of yourself. That's not just about in, about uh, putting doing activities, but about giving back in some way. Does that make a significant difference? A huge. I, I, great example. I had a truck driver who drove local delivery for years and years and years. He, he had a nice business, or he was in a nice business, retired with a decent amount of money. Do you know what he does now? He delivers meals on wheels to senior citizens. Wow. And he loves that. He he drops that meal off and he chats with them and and he's their sense of company and and he knows that he's supplying a social side to their life that they don't have right. besides food. And I he thinks it's the best thing he's ever done in his life. I have another one. This guy worked in a in an auto scrap yard for years. And the business was sold, closed, whatever happened. And he decided that he was going to Uber and he Ubered some people to a hospital and really liked that. So he decided he wasn't going to do Uber anymore. He was just going to become a hospital shuttle service for people who needed a ride. Wow. He takes people to three different hospitals and he's very busy and he he gets to know the people. They become friends. And he said it's like the best thing. He said it's so rewarding. And he said, yeah, I get paid and that's OK. I cover my expenses. I wasn't doing this to get rich. Right. I'm doing this for, you know, for me as much as for them. And there and, and it's just again, you know, it come, we, we just come back to this stuff that just gets that gets so simple. Let me ask you this question. With all the work you've done with retirement and planning people financially and seeing everything you've seen, you've seen and, and uh, that led you to, re- to write this book. Uh, are you going to retire? <laughs> no, I, I, I so much like what I do. I, uh, you know, you don't quit something you really enjoy. And that's why I d- on my love list, one of the things I like doing is connecting people, helping solve problems and, and, and speaking about things that I know about. And this happens to be one of them. And I like, I like that. So, you know, I'll write articles, I write books, but I really enjoy what I'm doing. And mm. It's satisfying. I mean, when when little old ladies come up and give me a hug, it's pretty amazing how powerful those little hugs are because they look at you and say, wow, you just changed my life or I'm able to do this because of you. It's it's overwhelming, actually, Gibbon. I mean, I, I sometimes have to really step back and think, wow. But how do you quit something you like that much? I I don't know the answer. How do you how do you spend your days helping people plan for something that you're you're never going to partake in? That's another, <laughs> way, another way to look at it. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. So I I will give you a funny story. Back when I started, I you know I would say anything to sell someone a life insurance policy because right. you know I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I would tell them I said, well, listen, when you get to retirement, I'll be there to help you. I mean, I didn't have a clue that was really going to happen. Forty mm-hmm. years later, all those people I promised, guess what? They're coming. I said, remember when you promised me? I said, no, I don't remember that, but here I am doing it. So. <laughs> Seems like something I would have said, but uh, here we go. Uh, yeah. that, that's fantastic. I, I am, I'm going to ask you uh, a couple of things. You know, I, know that, I know that that's not what this book is about, but you know, what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making when it comes to their money to prepare them for retirement? Well, this one is so simple and it's overwhelming. Uh, two things I recommend people do. I said, I, put a budget together so you actually know what you're spending. And I can't tell you how few people really do this. Right. I, I can count them on one hand. 
and and then they say it's painful. Well, there are a few people that just walk in and say, here's my budget, and I look and say, wow, did I just die and go to heaven? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I kill people to get what you just gave me. But that's critical. Once we know that, and then we know where their money stands, then we can figure out, okay, should you retire? Should you not retire? It, it's math. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a big part of it. But when people get to a point where we're starting to deal with money, Putting it away and, and not spending more than you make is a critical flaw. We do that all the time with credit cards. Right. So what I really try and encourage people to do is go down to one credit card and pay cash and pay everything off that month. Mm -hmm. Run no debt whatsoever. And then we can really get serious about putting money away. But when you're putting money away in one thing and you owe a bunch of money on the other side, you're not really getting anywhere. You're spinning your wheels. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people have, uh, and I, I, I fall into this sometimes, what I call uh, goldfish spending, where you grow to the size of whatever you're earning. So you, you, know, you're, you were earning $40,000 a year at one point in your life, and you spent $40,000 a year, and then you get to where you're earning one hundred and fifty, and you're sp and so you, instead of saving $110,000, you're spending $150,000. And I, I, I see that in, uh, I have some of those tendencies. I see that in other people. And I feel like a good budget is a good way to, uh, to make sure that your spending doesn't always outpace your earning. And, and I do something else that really shocks people. I actually tell them to, so I, I have some people that had some serious credit card debt in their life and mm. overwhelming. And I finally convinced them to go to one card, but not buy anything on that card use cash, use the card as emergency. And I said, and when you run out of cash, stop buying things. And they would look at me like I was on another planet, but I really got them to start doing that. And I've, I've taken some people just with that very simple concept of paying cash for everything you buy, stop charging things you can't afford. It's, it's really changed their life. It took them time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't like hit the lotto, but they slowly chipped away at it. And before you knew it, they were in a pretty good position. And actually, I just recently retired a couple people that I thought would never retire in a million years, but they actually flipped their switch and got it going the right way. Wow. Uh, uh, that's, am that's amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, I don't want to say easy piece of advice because I think it's a lot harder than, than, than we think about. But, but you know, that it's... It's a good reminder. Don't, don't spend more than you make, and or you will never be able to put anything away for retirement. And um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm. I know your time is valuable, and I am gonna let you go. But I'm gonna ask you two questions uh, before we go. First and foremost, aside from buying the book, how can people follow up with you, Gary? Um, I, I'm on uh, GarySirac.com, and it's S-I-R-A-K.com, Gary. Um, and the books on Amazon and and all over the place. And if someone really wants to reach me, it's GarySirac at Gmail. Okay. Um, every once in a while, someone <laughs> sends me a note and says, hey, what do you do about this? And, you know, I, I help them. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, it's uh, it's kind of what I'm supposed to do, Gib. Uh, I, I'll put a link to the website and to the book in the show notes so you guys can grab that. Uh, last but not least, and I ask it to everybody, what is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Well, when it comes to retirement, I, I have a real simple solution. So if you're putting 4% in your plan, increase it to 5 It's a new year. You'll figure it out. Just keep increasing that number because the more money you have, the easier life becomes retirement-wise. And mm. the people that don't have enough cash don't ever get to retire. So I'm always a huge fan of increasing that number and, and stretching yourself a little bit to do that. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Gary Serac, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, I'm glad I was here and glad to got to do this with you, Gib. Thanks.
That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. Uh, folks, uh, if you would like to follow up with us, you can facebook.com slash John Tesh. is where we spend a bunch of our time. John is also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter or facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. I try to respond to all the messages, uh, all the DMs, all the emails that you guys send out. Uh, because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.